The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good night. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. To the ghosts out in the hall, the paint peeling off the walls. Good night. Sometimes I stand between the sidewalk and the sky. And just stare into the clouds as they pass by You have to leave the ground to learn to fly Hi, I'm Catherine Fox, your social worker with a microphone. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio with my co-host, Lauren Beller blake Lauren, how are you this morning? Good morning, Catherine. You know, I am it's, well, it's, breathing I'm surprised. Here. I have to just tell you, we changed the music. I, I like music. it. It's a Zox song, Good Night, and it's one of my favorites. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, well, I'm in New York now, 100 degrees, but um, going back to oh, goodness. Cape Cod tomorrow, or maybe on Friday, I had some stuff to do here. Um, yeah, so I took, have you ever taken uh, the ferry boat from Boston to Cape Cod, to Provincetown. No, I have never done that. Well, it's a trip to take, and it's a trip to take with Sierra. It's, like, so cool because you are just going. It's about an hour-and-a-half trip, and when you go from, well, you go either goes in both directions, obviously, but coming into Boston Harbor is so cool on this ferry boat. I mean, you're, like, you, it's got, first of all, you can see the windmills. They, the wind, they're using wind power. Oh, cool. Not a whole cluster of windmills, which is what I envision, but just one windmill here and there. I don't know how it works. I mean, whether they use it to run the ferry. No, no. When you're when you're in on the ferry and you're coming in, oh, you to, can see them. I yeah. got you. I got you. Yeah. No, I, they use them in each one of these little towns, I guess. Which are interesting. Yeah, but there's just one. I, I kind of pictured that there'd be a whole row of them, but there isn't. So. Um, yeah, so you I said there's fields of them. Yeah, this was just one, one in each area, which was interesting. Um, yeah, it was a beautiful trip. It was really nice. And I have another book for you. This is totally a different topic. And then I'm going to ask you how the move has been. Go ahead. I'm ready for you. I want to hear <laughs> well, maybe book. I'll do that first. How's the move? Lauren moved from the, well, not really. She moved from Texas to California. And we're following her adjustment because you're very typical. Not you aren't typical. You're very unique, but you have a. No, I am very typical. And the more I, you know, the more I'm a mother and with kids, you know, kids, one child and moving, I'm very typical, extremely typical. It's true. It's it's the sad truth. I'm such a typical woman. (laughs) (laughs) You know, isn't it amazing? I you, you you. 
it's kind of hard to admit. It's like, oh, my God, how did I get here? I'm a typical woman. I've got the kids. I've got the husband. I've got the house. I've got the job. What do I do with it? <laughs> exactly. exactly. And I never saw myself as that. But So to answer your question, the move continues. Where I'm still surrounded by some boxes in my office waiting for a filing cabinet that I ordered. Um because I had built-ins in the old house. There's tons of built-ins, so you know that moved, it's not quite done. But we're getting there, hanging pictures. I'm at that stage in some of the rooms. So I think we're doing pretty well for a week and a half, really. So, so did you do what I suggested last week and take out familiar things first so that it would make it homey and you'd feel more comfortable? Oh, yeah, definitely. It helps a lot. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, so we're getting there, and you know, learning where all where things are found. I think I found Sierra's school, and yeah, I'm getting there slowly right. but surely. Well, you're the kind of person who adjusts well, but I have an article for you which kind of ties in with what you're doing, moving from California, Texas to California. This was in New York Magazine, and on the title, there's a pic, on the cover, there's a picture of a woman, a young woman, a very attractive, looking very fragile, kind of looking like Eve. They have her in the the background is this plants and jungle kind of looking situation, holding this beautiful naked baby, and it says, "Love my children." I hate my life. Uh, why does study after study show that having kids makes people less happy? You know what? I did just read about this. Mm. People are, are young couple or couples. Anybody who has babies or kids, they're happy or they're joyous, but they're not happy. They feel yeah, joy. They're happy with their yeah. It's so true. There's a lot. I totally can relate to that. It's a lot of work, and I think that I think that there's a misnomer or a quote secret that parents don't talk about. That you know what? It's it is hard. You know, one of the things that they said in this article, and you fall into this category. I do too. That because couples wait and have children l- later in life, let's say. 30 plus, but they've had their 20s free. Some people wait till they're 40, okay? But at least 10 to 20 years now or 10 to 15 years before they have kids. Uh And they've, particularly women, they've had a job, they've traveled, they've been out in the world, they've done a a lot of different kinds of things. Then they have kids, and one of the problems is that they, even though having a child is a joyous experience and, and, um, but you know what you're missing. Like you realize you can't do certain things. You can't travel like you did. You can't experience your job like you did. You can't experience your life as it was before, the freedom. And when women were younger and they had kids, say maybe right out of college or even right out of high school, they didn't have anything that they were comparing it to. It's so true. Yeah, I thought that was, I hadn't really thought about it that way. But I think that's a good point because they hadn't traveled, even if they went to college or they hadn't, you know, had a job that, or a, not, or a career. Um, so they didn't really miss it. They didn't right. know, yeah. It's, I totally agree with you. And I think that the misnomer is, or the mistake, I should say, is that we're not talking about it. We're not having conversation about those challenges and how to support each other better because I do think there's a unspoken there's something unspoken about it. Why? I think it's hard to admit the truth that you know. Yes, I'm happy. I love my kid, and life is challenging. I mean, I I think there's this, we don't talk about it. 
We don't I, talk about the hard parts. Do you think, Lauren, the reason is because if you complain or you say, I don't, I love my child, but maybe I don't like having children, but my individual child or children I adore, I would do, you know, I, I they're my life, but the situation that it creates and the way I have to live my life, I don't like, and that that... Well, I think they can't, it's hard to separate the two. Yeah. So trying, I think there's a unspoken, there's a, it probably hasn't been talked about with so many people enough to get clear on what it is they're loving and what it is, what it is they're not. I spoke to a woman the other day, similar situation in that she's got one child, older, like mid to late teens, I can't remember exactly, and she's like, I just, I, I don't love my life. I just don't enjoy my life. I want to redo everything. And she's been sort of living with this for years because, the child came first, she had the decent job, she had business actually, and she never wanted to disturb anything because it was working. It's interesting. Have you ever thought about setting up a group that addresses this issue? Because I mean, like. No, it's a great idea. I just spoke to somebody, he's a filmmaker actually, and he was telling me that a friend of his who moved to, I think it was Seattle, she has three boys, three little boys, and it's very difficult. I, I don't know what her profession is or what her husband's is, but she joined a group. There are groups, very specific kinds of groups. That's why I asked you the question. This group has to do with its mothers specifically who have three boys. Oh, my God. It was probably a meetup. Do you think it's a meetup? I don't know. It could be because I guess those are very specific kinds of groups. Very specific, yeah. yeah. So because mothers with boys have a different challenge with three boys. It has to be three boys or more. That's what he said. Oh, my God. I can't even imagine. And they need a support group, trust me. I think, and you know, <laughs> out of everybody, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the support groups are the way to go. You just have to find the right one. But the one we're talking about is a little bit different because it's, it's, um, it borders on some of those taboo issues. You don't talk about I. I'm really dissatisfied with my family or with the, with my decision to maybe my decision to have a child um, or children or I should have only had one and I had two or I had three. I mean, that's the tough stuff. That's that's the stuff people don't want to talk about in a group. Well, never, you never hear people admit that ever. You know, I shouldn't have had kids or I shouldn't have had two or I shouldn't have had five or whatever. Uh, so I think this is your first challenge in moving to California. My first, I've had hundreds of challenges. Well, this is another one. You have to start a group. And oh, actually, I started a group in Austin. Do you remember that? Years I do. Ago was, it, was it a meetup group? It was a meetup group, and that's how I met some of my closest friends there. And that meetup group was specifically for, um, let me think what we did, um, people having children starting over 35. So older parents that were starting to have kids. I'm going to do another one here. I haven't decided the focus of it. I was thinking of... Moms with kids, um, specific, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't figured it out. Really was, specific, was it, would you say, how did that help you? Because anyone who, any, any moms who may be listening say, okay, so I join a group, mother's over 35 and I'm over 35, and there are, you know, there are different problems than mothers who are 25. So how did it help you? Oh, my goodness. It was, first of all, it, immediately I had a network of people to connect with, and it wasn't large, but it was, we bonded. We did stuff all that. Matter of fact, I spent the past three New Year's with this particular group. 
they became good friends, you know, and they still, there'll be people I'll stay in touch with over the years. But it was just I had developed immediately by forming a very specific small niche group. I developed a network, so, you know, people I could call when things were challenging. Okay, over 35, what were the biggest challenges as opposed to somebody who's 25 or 20? Well, you know, I don't know if that was specific to us, but, you know, all of us had husbands that were constantly working. Um, all of us had kids that, you know, we were the working plus the sole caretaker or, you know, the main caretaker, I should say. We had help, but it wasn't, you know... It wasn't. It wasn't him. It was usually her. You know, a nanny, a babysitter, something like that. Um, and over thirty-five, we all had lives prior to that, as you said. So we had, we had experience to talk about. We traveled. We, you know, did fun things out in the world that were without and before children. So you mentioned. I mean, those you could take each one of those. I mean, and and work on those for weeks at a time. I mean, those are exactly. Tough, yeah, that's that's difficult stuff. And I think perhaps another piece of this you mentioned, like you have husbands who are working and are out there, and you're the primary caretaker, thirty five and older. Older made me think about the fact that when you get married, and you have to, or you have kids at a later date, and your husband also or your partner has been out there working and is a professional, is going to be much more embedded in his work, his job, Absolutely. his career than he would be at 20, where you Absolutely. might establish different rules with each other because you're both kind of neophytes either on the job and having children. This way you've already been established. Exactly. And I think there's the, women, the woman is more apt to figure out a way to do both versus the man. The man's going to just do his thing and then he'll fit in the family piece when, it's, when it works. Yeah, I, I think there's a biological, you're going to not like what I have to say, Lauren, but I think there's a biological component to that. I was sitting in a restaurant the other day in Cape Cod, and I'm looking at this guy. He's got the two kids, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> there's our music. We're going to have to wait. We're going to wait when we come back. We have our guests. Goodbye, Gordon Gecko. how to find your fortune without losing your soul. But I will finish that comment at the end of the show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone with Lauren Beller-Blake. We'll be back in a minute. Don't go away. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Money. We love it, we hate it, and everything in between. You can be the master of your life and your own economics. Join Professor Laurie Lamantia each week for the program, Making Peace with Money. Laurie will help you realize the power to create fulfillment in your life and shed new light on your money madness. You'll learn how to make peace with money and feel the joy and freedom renewed in your life. Making Peace with Money is broadcast live every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities 
securities and real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnist. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Stop wasting time. Get what you want. Live your dream life. The dream big revolution. Imagine having more freedom, better health, more money, happiness. Could your business be more successful? Unless you're living the life you want, you're wasting precious time. Your life is too valuable to waste. Let Leanne Hilgers help you find health, wealth, and happiness. Listen in and live your dream life. Join the dream big revolution. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the 7th Wave Network. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back to The Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, voiceamericavariety.com, World Talk Radio, and my host, Lauren Beller-Blake. Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. Good morning again. I'll finish my sentence because our guest isn't here yet, what I was talking about before the break. And by the way, this music coming in is, is, is the right music. Our oh, extra, yeah, that's, it's the instrumental to the song, Good Night, uh, by Zox. But I, what we were talking about, the difference between fathers and mothers and child care and take, and it, usually it's, no matter what, somehow it's always left up to the woman, it seems, or she has the ultimate responsibility, um, probably in nine out of ten cases. Am I right? I think it's true. Now, I can only speak for myself. Yeah, and I, me too, but we can speak for the world if we want to. Anyway, <laughs> I think there's some biological piece to that, no matter what we try to do from a social sense. I was at a restaurant in Cape Cod, and I'm watching this young father with his two kids, one little one, a toddler, and the other one's a baby. And I'm sitting there with my partner, and I said to him, I said, you know, look at this, look at him. He's holding the baby. He, he's holding the baby like a football. Exactly. Sort of distant from his body, and I, I can't remember whether he was trying to feed him or not, but the point was he had this kid. He's holding this I don't know, let's say eight-month-old baby, like a football. I don't think that you would see any woman hold a baby that way, even a baby that was a stranger to her. You know, I if I went, would you, if I went up to somebody on the street, oh, beautiful baby, or if a woman asked me to help hold her baby, she was doing something in the grocery store, I would put her up to my, I, I just, a, a tiny baby like that, put him up to my, my body. I would hold her or him against, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think that's symbolic. <laughs> I see that all the time. So there's a huge difference. 
There is. It's true. And it's a biological difference. I mean, there's a whole feeling of a connection to the child that men don't have. I I think it's just even people. I think it's people. It's not even children. (laughs) You're getting them. (laughs) Yeah, isn't it true? We have a different connection to other people on the planet, you know, and men and women feel differently about other humans on the planet. It's so, I think that's true. So are you saying that women not only connect to their babies differently, we connect to our girlfriends differently. You mean Absolutely. the intimacy of our relationships permeates all our relationships, not that with the kid, Absolutely. the baby. Yeah, I do. So then how can we be mad at them? How can we be <laughs> mad at they <laughs> I have that thought often. He just comes from a different planet, that's all. He comes from a different place. It's and, true. You know, yeah. So, but we react to, like, why can't you be in my place? Why can't you feel what I feel? And it's not going to happen. No, it's And I think there is something, something good about that. I don't mean good. It's probably not the right word. In other words, I think there's something that works about that in business, too. And I think that's part of the reason that I, women oftentimes function in work differently, you know, because of that different kind of connection to people. Maybe that's why women don't make tons of money in business. It's part of it. I'm sure it could be part of it. But I do think that you can have a connection and make more money, you know, and make money. But, you know, men naturally have been doing it better for years when it comes to making money. Well, is it because they've been doing it for years or just because there's the, that they have that natu- the way they uh, the way they approach making money emotionally the connection or they lack of emotion in some ways in other yeah. words it's all strictly business and there's lack of connection to people or less connection to people um so yeah it's got there's something to it I don't know what the answer is but probably a little bit of both See I wonder can you make a lot of money and have this connection and I'm we're talking a lot of money. I mean, the kinds of businesses that that really successful men. I think it's absolutely make. possible. Absolutely, you do. Absolutely. I'm not so sure. I think it gets in the way, and I'm not saying it gets in the way. I'm not making a judgment, but I think it gets in the way if you're overly emotional about it. You well, can't. I look at someone like Oprah, you know, who's made you know wealthiest woman in the world. I think she still is, and. You know, she seems to be very emotional, although I hear she's, you know, challenging, difficult to work with, yet at the same time, pretty connected to people is what my sense is. Now, I could be wrong about that. Or is it just but, what you see, her persona, her public persona? But if you were yeah. working with her at, in her office, it would be an entirely different Oprah. I'm I mean, sure. Oprah. I'm sure. She knows what she has to do to perform and to get <clears throat> to do her show or her shows, but that's not the private Oprah or the Oprah who runs this multi, I guess, billion-dollar business. But I can't imagine that she's not someone that's also, you know, takes care of her people and connected to people. And she's just one example. There's many women that make a lot of money that I think are allow themselves to be women and have the emotional connection to people and children and, you know, others and can make money. So I just think it's possible. I think that, yes, it can get in the way, so we have to be con- more conscious of it. You see the women who are CEOs of the big companies um, who achieve that, and there aren't many. And we, The list is probably on, you could put <laughs> on you know, five fingers, right? 
It's short. Me, it's a short list. It's a short list, and I think that the ones who have been able to accomplish that, and they're working for somebody else. They're not necessarily haven't made the money on their own, like Oprah, which is a different situation, I think. Right. Uh, but even those women who are head of these large companies, kind of, a, they cut off their emotions and they act quote like men, and they're able to maintain their positions. But I don't really see them, and I don't know them personally as integrating the softness, the connectedness, the emotional stuff with the making the decisions sort of in a vacuum without any emotion but strictly based on the numbers. They come across as like they've just kind of discarded that or they've denied it or they've cut it off, the the, the emotional part of their um, persona, personalities. It's hard to know without knowing people better. It is hard to know. But I do watch, you know, the men that I've worked closely with that are leading companies, you know, they tend to not be as thoughtful. And I don't mean, not, I don't mean it negatively. It's just sort of a matter of fact. They're not as thoughtful about the people aspect of it, of business. Yeah. Well, that may be true. Um, you know, I think we have to see what happens. I think, you know, I think it's not, this sort of this women in business, women in the professions, women as doctors, women as lawyers working for big companies. It's only been really one generation. Exactly right. Or one and a half right. generations. So, well, how about someone like, um, you know, I think oftentimes when I'm looking back at history, I try to look for examples. And, you know, someone like Betty Crocker, and she was very successful author. She was cooking up a storm. What? She was cooking up a storm, Betty Crocker. She was. She was in her, she was in her um, appropriate place, you know, in the kitchen. And that's where she where belonged. Her money. <laughs> what? Where she belonged, in the exactly. kitchen. Exactly. But she had to have people work for her, I would think. That was some big, amazing book she had, you know? We're going to take a break. I'm uh, Just a short one this time. We have to, I'm cutting you off. But I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, Lauren Deller-Blake. We'll be back in a minute. Don't go away. You're listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. This is Dr. Vijaya Nair. Together with my dear friend, Dr. Howard Piper, we are hosting our own show called Kiss Your Life Hello. We are two internationally recognized experts, researchers, authors, and health advocates in holistic medicine and counseling. We promise you a fantastic show with interesting guest experts to educate and entertain you with the latest information on mind, body, and spirit wellness. Join us on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you there. If your pets could talk, they'd tell you to tune in to Pet Shop Talk. Join internationally recognized animal massage therapist Lola Jean Michelin every week for a show that covers everything from nutrition, health care, and training for your pet or animal. Lola and her guest experts will bring you the latest trends in the pet care industry. And even if you're not a pet owner, you'll find out why pets do the crazy things they do. Tune in each Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. That's it. That's our intro. That's the instrumental for the song Good Night. Um, I'm Catherine Zox, and you are listening, I think, to Catherine Zox and Lauren Beller Blake. Uh, we are on the Catherine Zox Show, and it's Voice America Variety of dot com. We've had all kinds of weird stuff happening today. <laughs> I'd say the weirdest. We had the However wrong guest. However, the show on. goes on. What? However, the show goes on. The show goes on. We've had the wrong guest, the wrong music, the connection to the not working. Hey, folks, this is, but the show does go on. You just keep on talking, right? Keep on going. Yeah. But it is scary when you have a guest calling in and you have no idea what the topic <laughs> is or who the person is, thinking, am I going crazy? I have to, t- I'm going to change topics, Lauren, because I read this book. Because, uh, you know, I, I like to read beach books, but I don't like my boyfriend partner, Barry, reads these books that are kind of the airplane books, and I think, to me, they're a waste of time. Like, I need something... What's an airplane book? An airplane book is some of those mysteries that are the mystery stories. I'm not going to say the authors, but they're just kind of trashy. Um, <laughs> and they don't, I don't learn anything from them. I don't no, learn... As one of the authors that you're speaking of... Um, I'll just do the initials, J.P.? Could be. Because uh, I like those books now and then. They're good Beats books. I think those are great Beats books. But do you learn anything from them? No, total entertainment. Uh, okay, I like a combination of entertainment, but then I learn something. And so it's it's like quite a, many steps up from that. Not that I want to read, so, you know, I don't need to do social work and psychology and all that kind of stuff, but something that I learn something. Well, there's an author. We have to have her on the show, Lauren. Mary Roach. Roach like in roaches, or roach like in smoking a roach, or whatever. Anyway, uh-huh. it's Mary Roach, and she. This book is not new. It's called Stiff, and and it was 2006 she published it. But it has a picture of two, like a cadaver, like two feet of a cadaver, and you can see the bottoms of the feet as if he's hit or she is lying on a, a gurney in a morgue. Uh huh. She's a woman. She wrote another, maybe she wrote Bonk, and she wrote, I think, uh, not Ghost, but another New York Times bestseller. So she's a well-known author, lives on the uh-huh. West Coast, San Francisco. Uh, and she, she, what a, she has this bizarre, this kind of Stephen Colbert sense of humor, John Stewart sense of humor. Uh-huh. She, she is a person who explores her world, the kind of woman we were talking about, 
the kind of women we are or have been and will be. And she said she's always, you know, always wanting to find, always doing stuff and wanting to find something new. So she was on her last trip. This is the beginning of the book. To She was at her third trip to Antarctica. And, you know, she'd already been to Antarctica twice, and she's trying to figure out places to go where she hasn't been, where she'd learned something new, something exciting. And she suddenly realized, I need to stay at home. Yeah. And look. In my own, where I am, yeah. Look in the cracks. There's exactly. stuff in there, right? Because uh, there's stuff there that I haven't explored. Exactly. I actually think that's really important for so many people to do. I, I, I think we oftentimes run from it. And, uh, you know, what's interesting to me is our biggest bill ten, is technically and consistently our mortgage, and we always are looking for things to do to get out of the house. And we say we spend so much money on being on our house, but we don't want to be there. And I, I actually love being home. I do. I love being home. My daughter does, too. She loves being home. I love being home too because I love my home, and I, I, and it's interesting when I went into went to your house. I loved your house. I think you liked mine too. There's a, I did like your house. Yeah, yeah. There's a comfort. Yes, I agree with you. I, I don't think that's our problem. Um, I have to my tell you, my husband is one that he's always wanting to do something. Like he can't sit in the house and just enjoy the house and enjoy being in the house. He's con- go. What's next? What's next? Where to go next? On his third trip to Antarctica. Yeah. I'm sorry, Barry. Barry's the same way. Well, Barry is, he actually, he likes to stay in the house more than I do. I mean, he, I'm the one that likes to stay in the house. I, I mean, I definitely like to stay in the house, but I would be the one to say, okay, we have to get up and go or do, do something. something. But I have to finish with the, you, uh, this book because you need to. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. No, you need to get it. You need to read it. What did she do? She decided to take a topic like cadavers. <laughs> And explore what we do, what cadavers do, what we do with cadavers, what we do with people after they die. Wow, amazing. What did she learn? Okay, so it opens up. She's at the University of Texas, uh, Tennessee, which, you, which has, it's, it's a forensic pathology uh, unit that they have there. The FBI uses them. And she, she goes to visit this place, there, and she is what they you know introduce her the laboratory then she goes outside and there are these beautiful fields of whatever kind of flowers and plants and stuff they have in Tennessee and lying in the fields looks like all these people just kind of lying there enjoying the sun uh-huh. and they're all cadavers oh my god how crazy and they're there in various stages of decomposition because what they're studying is they want to you know for forensic purposes like how, at what time did, you know, kind of find out, like, at the time of death of a person, and you can tell yeah, by the way. they're looking at how the body decomposes and how uh-huh. quickly. And what flies or lava are eating their orifices and at what stage oh, they are. Lovely. Oh, my God, that's awful. Yeah. It's a, and then, like, there's apparently this gluten, this gelatin stuff, gelatin, I guess, in your eye that one, when you die gets decomposed decomposes very quickly so you, that's an, that's another indication anyway she she goes that's one area she goes i mean i could I, i'm just going to whet your appetite but that's the kind of stuff she does and there are all these th- and she, then she goes back into the history of cadavers uh it's an amazing book and i learned stuff that i had I, just things i'd never thought about i mean she talks about head transplants 
head transplants? <laughs> oh my God! Well, we have organ don't organ transplants or organ recovery. We you know we transplant hands and feet and hearts and lungs and liver and all. You can do a head transplant. Well, the possibility if you call it a full body, this is you could you call it a full body transplant as opposed to a head transplant. Uh-huh. Because head transplant people don't really want to identify with. Oh, but, my goodness. Crazy. But this is interesting. It sort of makes me want to, you know, ask myself, what is in my backyard to explore? Now, obviously, in my backyard, I have lots because I've only lived here a week, but um, <laughs> almost two. I'm curious what it made you want to explore. Uh, it, it, it started me thinking, and that's why, yeah, I, I'm not sure, but that's a good question because I thought, I learned, I mean, and I'm not going to tell you the rest of the book, but how she explores the world of cadavers and what they do and what's being done here and around the world made me think, my God, there must be other topics like that, different things that I have, I don't know anything about. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And I wonder what it made her want to do when she dies, like be buried or be cremated or be donated, you know? You're so smart. That was her, the last two chapters in the book. Oh, really? So tell us. What is no, you I'm not going to tell you. I'm, I'm not going to tell you. You've got to get the book and put away that other... I don't even have a book out right now. I have... Oh, wait, I'm not reading. I have a list from last week that you told me to get. Well, here's another one to add to your list, and, and I'm not going to tell you because that was her question at the end. What, and, and then she explored that because she explored what's being done with cadavers and some things that you've never heard, I don't, that most people haven't heard about. I mean, obviously, some people have. Fun, interesting. So I have another, can I switch gears on you? You can. From moving, the biggest challenge I had with all these boxes were the boxes of books. So I'm curious what you do with all these books that you have. Do you donate them? Do you keep them? Do you pass them on? I have difficulty letting go of books. I do, I, too. So I have, I'm sitting here with um, 12, 13, like 15 boxes of books that I'm not unpacking because I have no bookshelves in this rental house. So I, they're going to move to the next house, you know, in a year, and stay packed in a box. And I realize maybe I should just get rid of them. You probably should. I, I don't know if I'm the right person to ask because I have a, my playroom, there's a little bit of a, room off of that, and it's just filled with probably a, 500 books. I guess uh, 5,000. And mine might be 1,000, but I'm saying 500. And uh, people go down there and say, oh, I could take it to my church, I could take it to this organization, my, uh, the person who cleans for me, she wanted to take it somewhere, and I haven't been able to part with them. But I think, I think any a, a hospital... Um, Maybe even a nursing home. Because you get new books every week. You read you're like a book or two a week. I do. So I do. I get a, I get books that I have to read for the show, and then I get I books that I buy myself. I think keeping them is crazy. I think so, it's, it's, somebody else could be reading them. Exactly. Actually, have you Googled anything saying what do you do with old books? Well, I've I found the local library that will take books for sure. They are totally into it. Um, so of course I might do that, but as you're telling me all these books and the list is growing, I used to go, like I used to until last week before my move. You would tell me about a book or two, and I would immediately go on Amazon and buy them. So I'm rethinking it. I'm thinking of getting a Kindle and putting them on my Kindle to stop having paper and books in my house. 
I think Kindles make me depressed. <laughs> I, so one of my the books are making me depressed, and I want to read them because I want the knowledge and I want the information. Well, maybe do both. I had some guests visiting this summer, and she left her Kindle, and I had to send it to her this friend and I but I saw this Kindle line it made me it looked like a I don't know it was this it was depressing it was kind of like a it's too electronic for me but I'll probably end up getting one I want yeah I want the information but I don't want all the books I don't want all the paper I don't want to know that the trees died and I don't want to keep them around knowing that no one's reading them I right, take those boxes and bring them over to the library <laughs> and don't even open them no, I'm not going to. Yeah, I do have books that I'm donating. I do, I'm doing that tomorrow, but I have my twelve boxes or fifteen, and I'm keeping until the next house. You so are. I'm going to get a Kindle because I have now three books on the list, thanks to you this week or last <laughs> week. And I am a sort of like afraid to go buy them, so I don't want to add more boxes. You know, I have a friend who just goes to the library. She doesn't even want to buy books. She gets. I have a friend like that too. But that to me, uh, see that isn't a solution because she has to wait and you can't read the book right away. I, I'm a spontaneous person. Like, if you tell me to read something and I'm into the topic, I want to get it now. I don't want to have to go and wait for the book to come back. And by that time, there's something else I want to read. Exactly, yeah. So that's not a solution. But don't, undo, don't open those boxes. So I have another question for you. When you die, what are you going to do with your body? <laughs> and that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, I've thought about cremation. After I mean, that's one of those book, taboos. Are you changing your mind? What? After this book, are you changing your mind? No. Um, you mean whether I should... Well, that's not true. Uh, after reading this book, I've thought about maybe it's irresponsible. I should be donating my body to science. The problem well, is... This, uh, and Lauren... That's a really you, important topic. And if, you're, if people want to do that, you have to be sure that you do it properly because my grandmother wanted that and she didn't do it properly so we couldn't donate the body. What do you mean? She didn't write the proper papers or she didn't tell yeah, the people? she didn't do the papers. She thought all she had to do was check the back of her license and that's not true. There's more paperwork to do, at least in New York State. There's more paperwork to do than just checking the back of your license. What do you have to do? Um, you know, it's a good question. I don't know the answer to it, but there's special paperwork to fill out um, hospice, she was with hospice, and hospice wouldn't um, honor the back of her license as the only piece of paperwork. There's more paperwork to do. And it's not a lot. It's just another important piece of paperwork that needs to happen. Think of the lives. This is hospice. Think of the lives that could have been saved, perhaps, by using the the, the parts, whatever parts were usable. That's what, I know. I mean, yeah. And that's too bad. A- another piece of that is, which Mary Roach talks about in the book when you donate your body like say with on the back of a license thing uh, if you're not specific about where your body's going and you may think it's for organ donation it may not be it yeah, may be true. like for forensic use it's just science can mean a and most bodies end up in anatomy labs i guess she said 80 percent with medical students dissecting them or whatever at, which is not bad but you just you may want to know where the might want to specify where you, you, your body is going. And you can't do that on your license. You have to do that on a def- different piece of paperwork that's much more specific. And that's what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, but it made me think about, you know, if I have body parts that are good, why shouldn't somebody have them? Exactly. I agree. You know, I was speaking recently, I can't remember where I was, um, to someone that had a heart 
can't remember where I was. It was recently in the past two weeks. Someone that got a heart donated, and they ended up knowing the family. It was a small town, and they ended up figuring out who the family was, whose heart they got. And it was such a wonderful, amazing thing to know. such a connection, you know, between this person and their family and the other family. You're so right. That that was one of the stories also in the book. Um, We're going to take another break. Lauren Beller-Blake, Catherine Zox, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. It's the Catherine Zox Show you're listening to every Wednesday morning live. 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific time. We'll be back in a minute. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Best Boomer Towns delivers the inside scoop on the best 21 places to relocate or retire in the U.S. Listen to columnists, town bloggers, and local residents as we highlight a town each week. Talk show host Nancy Shaka brings you the best and the brightest. As a baby boomer, you experienced Beatlemania, Woodstock, Vietnam, and the women's movement. Today, you're educated, health-minded, and thinking about where to spend your future. Tune in at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, to Best Boomer Towns every Thursday on the Voice America Variety Channel and start planning the best rest of your life. Emotional intelligence has been documented to be the most important skill for a leader to move up in an organization. Leaders Playbook will unpack what emotional intelligence is, why it is important, and how you can raise your emotional intelligence for yourself, your direct reports, and your team. Join Dr. Relly Nadler every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern, to the Leaders Playbook on the Voice America Business Channel. Your success, your success could depend on it. Women in business today face many challenges in advancing their careers and reaching their goals. There are corporate executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners that have made their mark in business. Now you can learn their secrets and tips. Listen to Women Mean Business as your host, Bonnie Marcus, explores how to thrive in the business environment, navigate the workplace, and climb the corporate ladder. Listen live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and effectively promote yourself today. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. That's the music I like to hear. Uh, Lauren Beller Blake, VoiceAmericaVariety.com. Did you hear that, Lauren? Is it- I did. Yeah, sounds good. It's cool. That Zox band. Yeah, and uh, actually, you can buy it online if you want to. Uh, I'm just promoting my son's <laughs> music. Um, so anyway, you asked me the question. We we're talking about cadavers, and Mary Roach's book called Stiff. Perfect name for it. Like, what happens to you after you die? What happens, what do you want to happen to you after you die? And you can do a lot of good works after you die. That is the message from her book. I mean, you can do a lot, just what you, you you know, you talk about this woman who gave her heart, or he gave his heart. Yeah, it was a woman and a guy got it, yep. 
Did you know there's a difference between male and female hearts? I did. (laughs) Of course, all there's lots of ways that they're different. But structurally different. Smaller too, right? Isn't it? I don't know structurally how they're different. I I don't know how they're different structurally. Yes, size-wise, I guess they're smaller, like a child's heart. But uh, there's also a difference. The heart themselves, the heart itself, structurally is different than a man's heart. I didn't know that. No. So um, some men have a concern when they have a heart transplant and they have a woman's heart in their bodies that that will feminize them. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Oh my thing. god, that's crazy. That's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. It probably adds to who they are, not takes away. I think so. Rounds them out. Yeah, but that's that's true. I didn't know that. But you can some people feel what if they and there have been cases of this, but I guess they haven't and they've been documented but they have not, there's not really been any truth to it, I guess, that people feel, well, when, especially when they get somebody's heart, because there's this whole, there used to be uh, a century ago, the heart was supposedly the center of our being, of our soul, of who we are, as opposed to the brain. Now it's switched to the brain. The brain is who we are. And so when we, de- death is determined by brain death, not heart death, but brain death. Well, heart, if your heart stops, you're dead. But uh, if you want to, um, so give your organs for transplant, or you have to you have to be declared brain dead. Uh-huh, right. Uh huh. Right. But people, when they get their hearts donated, they get somebody else's heart. Sometimes they feel like they've taken on the attributes of that person. Um, and in her book, Mary Roach's book, she d- describes that uh, there were a couple people. One who got the heart of a, an older person, like fifty-two, got the heart of a teenager, and and this happened in several cases, and then he swore that he started liking rock music, staying up late, oh, drinking so beer. funny. <laughs> yeah. But, that's very interesting, uh-huh. fascinating to me. But it was kind of like he knew it was a teenager's heart, so maybe he just, you know what teenagers do, so maybe you kind of do it, but it's not really because you got that heart. You know what I mean? Yeah, Exactly. But she yeah, had it's a, like which comes first, the physical or the awareness of it. So, yeah. Yeah. Or somebody who was not talented musically and the person they got the heart from was, so then they started taking up an instrument. But, you know, that's all kind of anecdotal kind of stuff. They haven't proved that there's any real science behind it. Yeah, but that's interesting. You asked the question, though. What are, you know, is it our responsibility? What are we doing? Just, you know, you have this perfectly good body parts that could be used. And why do it's well, what's well? There are religious taboos, or what are yeah. they? Well, I I don't know. I don't. I think it's an interesting question. You know, what to do with your body? I think it is about a responsibility. You know, to think about it and decide what you want, and look at the bigger picture of the world, and what can the world handle, and what does the world need? Because I just think graveyards are interesting. I don't know. I don't. I just don't feel connected to. I think graveyards are an interesting use of space. <laughs> A poor use of space. Yeah, interesting for sure. Poor, for, you know, that's, I don't There know. are graveyards that after 25 years, they dig up the casket. And, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and they put it lower into the, or they make it, and then they dig deeper, 
and then they pile another casket on top of it. Interesting. Because they need to save space because there isn't enough space. I can I totally understand that. There's not enough space in our world. And you never see a new graveyard going in. You know, what oh, what are we going to do with that space? Oh, it's going to be a graveyard. You know, when has that happened? I usually see them moving out into the streets. You know, they're barely, uh, you know, off the highway. I know in certain cities in in, in New York you'll see these, these graveyards that are just almost, I mean, there's only, I don't know what the, the codes are, but, you know, it looks to me like they're three or four feet from the, from the highway. Yeah, I totally agree with you. In New York in particular, I agree with you. They're just chock full. I was in a long time ago in Prague, and they this was an old, old cemetery, and they had, in, in this cemetery, dating back to, say, the 15 or 1500s, I think it was, they had layers and layers of, of caskets piled on top of each other. Now, don't you think at that point it's time to think about cremation? Yeah. So we bought a, you know, this is a taboo subject. This is, people do not It's want another to, taboo subject, yeah. This is a really taboo subject that we don't, we don't, we do not talk about. Well, you and I are talking about it. But once you've read the book, then we'll have more to talk about because there's all kinds of other things that she talks about in terms of what cadavers can do for you. <laughs> Interesting. You're, you're inspiring to me to go buy a Kindle today. I think I'm going to do it. Are you? I think so. But then, what do you do? You have to. We just down. They can you download any book, or is there just certain books that can be downloaded into a Kindle? I don't think all books, but many, many books can be downloaded onto a Kindle. So most of the bestsellers or would be. Oh yeah, definitely. Kindle. Or all yeah. of them. Yeah. I would think all of them. But it's not. Well, obviously, it's not going to be every book. So that if you couldn't find it or you can't download it, then you have to go out and buy it. In, and that's a good reason to buy a book. In paper form, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So you just... Now, I don't think my book is downloadable on Kindle. I have to check that, but I don't think it is. I think the first thing you have to do is get rid of those other books. <laughs> Here's our music that I don't recognize, but it's the end of the show. Lauren Beller-Blake, Catherine Zox, you've been talking to us, so we've been talking to you, and you've been listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com, World Talk Radio. Have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next week. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.